Welcome to Christian Overcomers. I'm Pastor Ben Heath, and I'm going to take you on a line-by-line study through Genesis 49. And the title will be, What Shall Befall You in the Last Days? In chapter 48, Jacob gave a special blessing to Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And in this chapter, we're going to see Jacob gather all 12 of his sons around him to give them each a blessing before he dies. And you know what? There's so much we can learn from this chapter. So let's just get started here. Genesis 49, verse 1, and it reads, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. You know, some people limit this prophecy to the time when the Israelites enter the land of Canaan with Joshua and on through until the Israelites were expelled from the land by the Assyrian and Babylonian armies. But, um, or I should say, up until they were expelled from the Assyrian and Babylonian armies. But, you know, I, I do believe they saw a fulfillment of many of the things that Jacob is going to foretell of here. But I also believe that these blessings that we're going to see here for each tribe, we're going to, I also believe that these blessings carry forth all the way up to the time of the end, just before Jesus returns. In other words, I believe these blessings are still yet future, or some of them were actually living in as I speak. Um, but but I want you, I want to take a step back and look at something significant here. Jacob is on his deathbed, and he has all of his children surrounding him to give them his final words. Um, and, and this, you know, if we could just picture this moment, I mean, if this if this moment was videotaped, there would be no greater symbol of the importance of fathers leading their families and passing down blessings to their posterity, okay? This is an important chapter. I mean, um, we're, we're getting really near the end of this great book. And when God has something at, towards the end of a book, it's, it's usually because it's something important that we need to remember. And you know what? It, it, it should be a lifelong goal of every father to leave this world having passed down spiritual blessings to their family. Fathers, listen to me. When it is time for us to depart this life, we need to ask ourselves this question. Will we have left our children with great riches of wisdom from God's word and lessons that we learned while on this pilgrimage? Will we have done that? Okay. Will we have uh, left our mark, a godly mark upon our children? Okay, um, that's something we should strive for. So, and, and, and another thing we're going to see here um, in this chapter is not just a list of personal and family blessings that the, that each of these sons are going to receive, but they're going to be national blessings. Okay. Things not just to do with them personally, but things to do with their descendants that would eventually become nations of their own. Okay? Now, now just think about the blessings our American forefathers left us. 
starting all the way back in 1620 when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. I mean, their faith and courage through life. You know, founding this great nation left us an amazing inheritance. Had they not thought about their future generations, we wouldn't have what we have today, okay? It's because they wanted to pass down an inheritance. They wanted to leave their future generations blessings. And today, the leftists would like to make us forget about those, you know, forget about our forefathers. Forget about the inheritance that they left us. In fact, they want to completely eliminate them from our memory by striking them out of our textbooks for, you know, in, in school and removing any monuments related to them or to historical events that they were connected to in our country. Why? Why do they do this? Well, I think you know why. It's because the leftists, they serve a different father. And you can read about that in John 8, verse 44, okay? Their father is not our father. They serve their father, the devil. The world does, okay? So let us never, if, if there's one thing we could get out of this, let us never forget the importance of family, Let us never forget the importance of fathers. And let us never forget the inheritance that our forefathers have left us, going all the way back to Jacob here in this chapter. But then all the way on down to the, again, the pilgrims that came to America who built this great nation, this nation with its models, one nation under God. And in God we trust. It didn't come here by accident, my friends. It didn't get here by accident. It's the result of God's blessings being handed down to his people from generation to generation. All right, let's let's get to the next verse here. Verse 2, gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Listen to your father. Okay. Now today, it's like uh, you, you, you turn on uh, any kind of TV show and it belittles fathers. It makes fathers into some kind of joke. As though they mean nothing to society. That's attack. That's an attack by Satan, my friends. It's part of his plan. Destroy the father and you destroy the family. You look at a nation... Or you look at a, a people or a culture that does not have strong fathers as leaders. You look at a nation that has failed. I mean, when you look at some of these inner cities and you look at uh, all, all these families without fathers, without godly fathers leading them, they've fallen apart. Okay? Families need a strong father. You know, um, you know, I can't help but think about the the feminist movement today uh, that started, you know, generation or more ago. That has done nothing but but bring harm to our families, my friends. Harm. Okay, it's stripped us of many blessings that we would have otherwise. And it's time we reclaim that. Fathers, it's time for you to step up. 
and lead your children. When you you have your vision in your mind for what you want to do with your life, the first and foremost thing is, what kind of inheritance can I leave behind for my children? Because that is what the Bible is centered around. And ultimately, obviously, we want to lead them a, uh, an inheritance that leads to the kingdom of heaven. Verse 3. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou winnest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Okay? Now, unstable as water. What, what does this mean here? Well, Reuben obviously lacked discipline. He let his sexual desires to cause him to do the unthinkable, sleeping with one of his father's wives. I mean, had he not done such a thing, being the firstborn, he would have received the double blessings of the firstborn. He would have received the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Okay? So the lesson, I guess, could be for us is, hey, don't be like a Reuben. Don't lose your inheritance. Don't be unstable as water. Control your desires. Discipline yourself. So that you can receive blessings that can be passed down to your children. You know, don't let carnality rule your, rule your life. In other words, don't let the lusts of the flesh drag you around like a little slave boy. Okay? Think about that. When sin and carnality wants to tempt you away from your duties as a man and as a father. Think about it in those terms, and that, that might help you resist it. Do I want to be led around by these, by these petty carnal sins like a little slave? Or do I want to step up and be a man and control myself? That's what we need to strive for, my friends. Reuben failed miserably in this, okay? Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are, of course, we know the story. He slept with his, his, with his uh, father's wife. It wasn't his mom. It was his brother's mom, uh, his stepmom. But still, nevertheless, unthinkable to, to, do, to defile the father's bed like that. Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Okay, Jacob never forgot about the time when these two boys slaughtered a whole city of Hivites, because of what happened to their sister years ago uh, when Shechem violated Dinah. It was severe. It was a severe thing that these boys did. 
But in, in one sense, you can't really blame them. But Jacob, evidently, he was he was still upset about this. But but later on, the curse of Levi that we're seeing here uh, will be turned into a blessing when they stand on Moses' side against the idol worshipers of Israel in Exodus chapter 32, verse 26. And in Numbers 3, verse 12, God said concerning Levi, he says, Behold, because of what they had done, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. So, you know, it, these curses here, you know, like Reuben even, these curses can be turned into blessings if uh, if if the, the people change their ways. And, and that happened with Levi. So, interesting. Verse 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Hey, that's a pretty significant blessing. Okay. Uh, well, first off, somebody would say, man, this is, the Bible's way too violent. In the neck of thine enemies? Don't we just love everybody? I mean, come on. This is not nice. The Old Testament. Okay. Uh, well, hey, if you, you look at the New Testament, Jesus is going to do, uh, well, the, actually, this, this prophecy here includes some of the things that Jesus will do when he returns. Okay. Um, but this, this blessing means that Judah would be a, be a very strong nation in war. They'd be powerful. And I can think of one man off the top of my head that was a mighty warrior from this tribe, uh, King David. You know, uh, it was written that, or it was said that Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Okay, so this tribe would be a, a fierce warrior tribe. Um, and then it says, Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. What does that mean? Well, it would be through Judah, like I said, in which the king of the well, first off, the kings of Israel would come. And it would be through Judah that eventually the king of kings and lord of lords, the Messiah, would come to whom all will one day bow. And you can even see that, find that in the book of Revelation. Every knee shall bow. Okay, do you see even the prophecies of the Messiah being uh, stacked in here way back then? Okay, and some of these things have not yet come to pass. That's why it says in the latter days, okay? Um, verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Okay, lions are known to be the king of the jungle. In other words, you don't mess with lions. And that's kind of what Jacob is saying about his boy Judah here. Okay, don't mess with this one. I mean, he's like a lion. And, and again, Jesus, who came from the tribe of Judah, is also likened to a lion. In fact, Revelation 5 verse 5 says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Okay, 
and uh, interesting. And when Jesus returns the second time, he doesn't come as a lamb. He comes as a lion. And boy, many Christians are looking forward to that time. Yeah, the enemy thinks they've gotten away with what they've done to him and what they say about him. Oh man, just wait till they stand. I mean, just wait till they stand in front of the lion, the the true lion of Judah. Wow. Okay, verse ten: The scepter shall not part depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, what is this talking about? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. This is an interesting prophecy. It says that Judah would always be blessed with kingship over Israel until Shiloh come. Well, who's Shiloh? Well, Shiloh basically means peace. And it's thought by uh, virtually every scholar that I can find, not that that's always evidence of the truth, but uh, um, that this is a reference to the coming Messiah. In other words, the royal line would end up, would end in the coming of the Messiah at his first advent. Jesus was the end, if you would, of the king line of Judah. Now, some believe that this prophecy, that that king line actually continued on through another line, uh, through uh, Zara, I believe it is, the scarlet thread, and carries on to the second advent as well, and that the kings of Great Britain uh, are direct descendants of King uh, are direct descendants of King David. Um, I'm trying to remember. I said for I said Zara and Ferez. Well, anyways, there somebody. It's been a while since I've studied this, but there's a map where supposedly all these lines tie back into each other and so forth. But it's very, I bring that up as a point of interest. Um, And many also believe that America's, that many of America's presidents have been of that royal line of Judah as well. Okay. And I, hey, I think that's very plausible. It's very possible. All right. And what, what would that mean? Well, that would mean that there would always be somebody from the tribe of Judah ruling over or governing the nations of God's people until Jesus returns and takes the throne. Okay? Interesting. Verse 11, Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Okay? I think this is a reference to the blood-stained clothes of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we wash, we hear about the wine here. Uh, I believe that's symbolic of the Holy Communion. And, uh, and, this, and this ass's colt here, can't help but think of the time that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, again, fascinating prophecies. Verse 12, His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. 13. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be before an haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. Okay, so that, that's very specific here, um, referring back to when the Israelites would dwell in the land of Canaan. Um, but nevertheless, I, I believe this is still future, that probably the Zebulun nation 
dwells uh, by the sea here today. And I, there, there are books out there, uh, some that I've read, and uh, I spent a little bit more time on this, uh, you know, probably a, a decade or so ago when I really got into tracing the, the migrations of the 10 lost tribes of Israel and discovered that more than likely they spread throughout Europe, uh, building the Christian nations, which eventually became the Christian nations, and then came to America and built this nation here. That the, that that uh, that uh, that's where they went. Okay, that's where they went. Ishakar is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. Okay, he seems to be a, a strong nation with with some burdens on him. Okay. Um, and he saw that rest was good and that it was pleasant and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. Now, I can't help but think of, uh, you know, a nation like Sweden when I think about this. Okay. Uh, Sweden, how it likes socialism. This seems to be a ref- a possible reference to socialism where they really liked rest thought it was good it's pleasant we like to have a don't like to uh you know work all the time um so then they became uh, uh servants to government if you would interesting verse 16 dan many people think this is where denmark is today in fact denmark uh some language etymologists say that it means dan mark Okay, Denmark or Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels so that his rider shall fall backward. You know, so it it seems that Dan would sort of be a sneaky kind of a warrior here. Many people say that this is a bad reference to Dan because he was like a serpent. And they say that... um, well, uh, you know, he fell into idolatry, and that, that's why this is mentioned here. And, th- and that's possible. That's very possible. I'm, I'm just bringing up some options for you. Um, it's also interesting, you know, well, Jesus told his disciples to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So the serpent isn't always, you know, when you liken it to somebody, it doesn't always mean that they're satanic or something like that, though the symbol of the serpent is a symbol the most prominent symbol of Satan because of his cunning craftiness, okay? But you could be cunning and crafty and not be doing it for evil purposes, okay? Just like what Jesus said. But um, it's also interesting that, you know, I think the United States Army as well as the don't tread on me flag that, you know, uh, became, well, that started back in the Revolutionary War, uh, has a serpent on there that says, don't tread on me. Um, you know, I don't like that uh, flag because it's got the serpent. It makes me a little bit nervous. But nevertheless, maybe it's a harmless thing that had nothing to do with Satan. But uh, just for the fact of being like Dan here. It's like, I will get you somehow. Don't you dare tread on me. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that for now. I know I've done videos on it talking about how I was a little bit... Uh, yeah, not really liking that emblem so much. Um, I'd prefer having the emblem that we have down in the corner here as our symbol, uh, the sword and the cross combined together.
both the Old and the New Testament, both, uh, you know, the, uh, the judgment of God and the mercy of God. Okay, that's, that's what I, I think is the most appropriate symbol, but time to move on, all right? Verse 18, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop, shall overcome him. Now, that's an interesting statement. I have waited for thy salvation. Whoops. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Okay, well, we know uh, that Jesus saves us from sin and that the Savior came. But we also know he's coming back again. Okay, he's coming back again. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Okay, I like that word, overcome, obviously, or Name of our ministry is Overcomer. So Gad, uh, Gad was uh, somewhat of an overcomer here. He, he would be some nation that would get defeated, but later comes back. Okay? He's, I guess you could call Gad the comeback kid, if you would. Okay? I don't know exactly what nation that would fit today. Uh, others might have a better idea on that. They might uh, have looked into that a little bit more. But... Verse 20 says this, Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. So sometime in the latter days, Ash, it appears that Asher would be some sort of rich, luxuri- luxurious nation, okay? Um, you know, I, I think there's places like the Netherlands and, and things like that that uh, may fit that bill. I don't know. Naphtali is a hind let loose, or like a deer. He giveth goodly words, okay? So Naphtali must be some sort of a graceful nation in the future. Uh, Verse 22, Joseph, here we go. Joseph is a fruitful bow, or bow. Even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. Okay, so Joseph is like, you know, he's like a plant that's just, you can't contain him. He just keeps growing and growing. And uh, I cannot help but think of America when I think of Joseph's blessings, how fruitful and how blessed we've been. Okay, Uh, verse 23, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Again, I mean, think of how, how many nations hate America because of our blessings. Verse 24, but his bow abode in strength. And uh, his bow abode in strength. That bow means, you know, that's a weapon of war. And what other nation has become as militarily, what other nation has had a military as strong as the United States of America? Never, never before in history has any nation ever had a military like ours. But his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Okay, again, God is the one that made his hands strong. I can't help but think of our nation's motto. Again, in God we trust. One nation under God. Verse 25, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. Okay, all these seem to do, seem to have to do with our great nation, with all the blessings we have. Um, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. 
unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Remember Joseph, he, he really did live a life separate from his brethren. After they betrayed him, he lived in Egypt, rose his way up to becoming uh, second in command to Pharaoh, and so on. So um, it's a beautiful thing. Again, Joseph is a nation under God, prophesied to be one nation under God. Okay? Separate from his brethren. Now that's interesting. I just thought about that now. I didn't plan to talk about this. Separate from his brethren. What, what, I can't help but think of the Revolutionary War. The War for Independence. We even have a holiday called Independence Day. The Pilgrims. They were separatists. Okay? They went ahead, like Joseph, he went ahead of his brethren to, to, uh, uh, to a land that would end up housing the Israelites. Okay? So many different types and parallels there. Verse 27, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the, the spoil. Now, many people believe this has to do with Norway or uh, the Vikings. Those clans who pillaged towns and cities for their wealth before they converted to Christianity. Well, I mean, they were certainly known for being mighty warriors. Uh, ravenous, even if you would, okay? Interesting. Verse 28, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Every one according to his blessing, he blessed them. Okay. So these are the 12 tribes of Israel. Though Ephraim and Manasseh were adopted by Jacob and made tribes of Israel, um, and made in the tribes of Israel, Joseph is presented here to represent them. And I, I don't know exactly why that is, probably uh, because Jacob was actually taking his 12 biological, he was uh, giving birthrights to his 12 biological sons here. Um, but later on, when the Israelites enter the land of Canaan, both Ephraim and Manasseh are given separate land allotments. Manasseh gets two lots, one on the west side of Jordan, the other on the east side of Jordan, um, and so on. But, but anyways, nevertheless, fascinating blessings here. You know, uh, I guess the lesson we can learn from this is God always fulfills his promises. Okay? Always fulfills his promises and his blessings. And he, he's doing that. These, these, all these blessings that Jacob is passing down to his 12 sons, these were blessings that God gave to Abraham. And now they're just, they're, they're, um, he's just divvying them up to his 12 sons. In fact, they've actually, these are blessings that have grown, okay, even over time. Fascinating. All right, verse 29, almost there. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Okay, remember that cave that was that was purchased? Okay. 
Um, interesting. He wants to be buried with his fathers. Okay, that was important to him. The patriarchy was important. Forefathers were important. Okay, verse thirty in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. Okay, so it was Abraham who bought this uh, gravesite as a burying place. And uh, we're going to see something very interesting about that here. Uh, verse 31, there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. Okay, so uh, Sarah was buried there first. That's who, who Abraham bought the land for, was for her. Then later Abraham was buried there. And then there they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Rebecca, or I'm sorry, Rachel, it doesn't appear that she made it. In fact, I think there was a different burying place for her. But Leah was there. That's interesting. Interesting. He's going to, Jacob, though his favorite wife was Rachel, now he's actually going to be buried next to Leah. So you got these husband and wife couples here, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, and now it'll be Leah and Jacob, okay? You know, did he grow fond of Leah over time? Maybe after uh, Sarah had passed away? Um, I mean, Leah provided a lot of children for him. I mean, uh, so it, it, it is interesting, okay? But there is something that I want to show you here. Before... Jacob, Jacob would have been the sixth person buried there, but the five before him, the five people that were buried before him actually spell out an acrostic, um, you know, uh, displaying his name, Israel. Okay, now check this out. Isaac, Sarah, Rebecca, Abraham, and Leah. If you take the first letter of Isaac, then you go to Sarah, would be S, so you got I, S, then Rebecca, then you have R, and then you have Abraham, would be A, and then obviously there isn't a, a, another E there, because, you know, with, with vowels, you don't need that, okay, especially with acrostics, you can skip vowels, and then you have Leah, L, so Israel, okay, Israel, interesting, you know, God's word is fascinating, There's all, there are all kinds of things like this in the Bible, all kinds of acrostics, all kinds of um, biblical mathematics that are just astounding. And you know what? I'm going to be publishing a book, you know, about uh, how to count the number of the beast, 666. And it, it, this book, I'm telling you, it, it, it is going to be the most um, exhaustive study, the most complete study in biblical mathematics and the quest of understanding what the number 666 represents and how to calculate it. Um, so be on the lookout for that. It's due to be out in August, um, and I'll be sure to let you guys know when that comes out. But it's it's going to be fascinating, okay? And it's, it's an eye-opener, um, such as... Uh, I've, I've never seen any work of its kind out there, okay? And uh, again, we'll be keeping you updated as we go. But anyways, let's move on. 
Verse 32, the purchase of the field and of the cave that therein was from the children of Hath. Okay. Uh, Verse 33, and when Jacob made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and and was gathered unto his people. Yielded up the ghost. It It means that his spirit went upward to heaven, not downward to hell. Okay. Um, Fascinating. All right. So in conclusion here, prophetic, this chapter recorded all of these prophetic blessings that Jacob passed down to the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and, and, And they even go on to this day. And I believe they have to do with America, even the rise of Great Britain in the past, uh, and and so on, and many other nations, um, European-type nations today. But, um, you know, this, the great, I mean, the, the great patriarch, Jacob, his sojourn on earth is complete. It's all done. And it'll be time to move on. And hey, you know what? You're not going to want to miss the next chapter. It's we're going to finally complete this book and uh, and it's got such a closure to it um that's that's just a really nice closure, okay? I'll, I'll put it that way. Anyways, God bless you. Stay in his word every single day so you can be a Christian overcomer. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.